Hello and welcome to today's episode of Mythical Storytelling by Xinjiang. Today's episode is called The Funeral Fire. Before I start though, just as a reminder, if you like the podcast, then please subscribe to it and do share it with your friends and family. And if you really like the podcast, you can now show your support by buying me a coffee. My ID is Shinjan B. Please see the episode description for more details. Right, let's start the story. For several nights after the burial of a Chippewa, a fire escaped burning upon their grave. This fire is lit in the evening and carefully supplied with small sticks of dry wood to keep up a bright but small fire. It is kept burning for several hours, generally until the usual hour of retiring to rest and then suffered to go out. The fire is renewed for four nights and sometimes for longer. The person who performs this pious office is generally a near relative of the deceased or one who has been long intimate with them. Today's story is about the origin of this custom. A small war party of Chippewas encountered their enemies upon an open plain where a severe battle was fought. Their leader was a brave and distinguished warrior, but he never acted with greater bravery or more distinguished himself by personal prowess than on this occasion. After turning the tide of the battle against his enemies, while shouting for victory, he received an arrow in his chest and fell upon the plain. No warrior thus killed is ever buried and according to ancient custom, the chief was placed in a sitting posture upon the field, his back supported by a tree and his face turned towards the direction in which his enemies had fled. His headdress and equipment were accurately adjusted as if he were living and his bow leaned against his shoulder. In this posture, his companions left him. That he was dead appeared evident to all. But a strange thing had happened. Although deprived of speech and motion, the chief heard distinctly all that was said by his friends. He heard them lament his death without having the power to contradict it, and he felt their touch as they adjusted his posture without having the power to reciprocate it. His anguish when he felt himself thus abandoned was extreme and his wish to follow his friends on their return home so completely filled his mind as he saw them one after another take leave of him and depart, that with a terrible effort he arose and followed them. His form, however, was invisible to them, and this aroused in him surprise, disappointment and rage which by turns took possession of him. He followed their track, however, with great diligence. Wherever they went, he went. When they walked, he walked. When they ran, he ran. When they encamped, he stopped with them. When they slept, he slept. When they awoke, he awoke. In short, he mingled in all their labors and toils, but he was excluded from all their sources of refreshment except that of sleeping and from the pleasures of participating in their conversation. For all that he said received no notice. Is it possible, he cried, 
that you do not see me that you do not hear me that you do not understand me will you suffer me to bleed to death without offering to stem my wounds will you permit me to starve while you eat around me have those whom i have so often led to war so soon forgotten me is there no one who recollects me or who will offer me a morsel of food in my distress thus he continued to rebuke his friends at every stage of the journey but no one seemed to hear his words if his voice was heard at all it was mistaken for the rustling of the leaves in the wind at length the returning party reached their village and their women and children came out according to custom to welcome their return and proclaim their praises kumachiwa 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 they have met fought and conquered was shouted by every mouth and the words resounded through the most distant parts of the village those who had lost friends came eagerly to inquire their fate and to know whether they had died like men the aged father consoled himself for the loss of his son with the reflection that he had fallen manfully and the widow half forgot her sorrow amid the praises that were uttered of the bravery of her husband the hearts of the youths glowed with martial ardor as they heard these flattering praises and the children joined in the shouts of which they scarcely knew the meaning amidst all this uproar and bustle no one seemed conscious of the presence of the warrior chief he heard many inquiries made respecting his fate he heard his companions tell how he had fought conquered and fallen pierced by an arrow through his chest and how he had been left behind among the slain on the field of battle it is not true declared the angry chief that i was killed and left upon the field i'm here i'm live i move see me touch me i shall again raise my spear in battle and take my place in the feast nobody however seemed conscious of his presence and his voice was mistaken for the whispering of the wind he now walked to his own lodge and there he found his wife tearing her hair and lamenting over his fate he endeavored to tell her but she like the others appeared to be insensible of his presence and not to hear his voice she sat in a despairing manner with her head reclining on her hands the chief asked her to bind up his wounds but she made no reply he placed his mouth close to her ear and shouted i'm hungry give me some food the wife thought she heard a buzzing in her ear and remarked it to one who sat by the enraged husband now summoning all his strength struck her a blow on the forehead his wife raised her hand to her head and said to her friend i feel a slight shooting pain in my head foiled thus in every attempt to make himself known the warrior chief began to reflect upon what he had heard in his youth to the effect that the spirit was sometimes permitted to leave the body and wander about he concluded that possibly his body might have remained upon the field of battle while his spirit only accompanied his returning friends he determined to return to the field although it was 4 days journey away he accordingly set out upon his way for 3 days he pursued his way without meeting anything uncommon but on the 4th towards the evening as he came to the skirts of the battlefield 
he saw a fire in the path before him. He walked to one side to avoid stepping into it, but the fire also changed its position and was still before him. He then went in another direction, but the mysterious fire still crossed his path and seemed to bar his entrance to the scene of the conflict. In short, whichever way he took, the fire was still before him. No expedient seemed to avail him. You demon, he exclaimed at length. Why do you stop my approach to the field of battle? Do you know that I am a spirit too, and that I can seek again to enter my body? Do you presume that I shall return without effecting my object? Know that I have never been defeated by the enemies of my nation, and will not be defeated by you. So saying, he made a sudden effort and jumped through the flame. No sooner had he done so than he had found himself sitting on the ground with his back supported by a tree, his bow leaning against his shoulder, all his warlike dress and arms upon his body, just as they had been left by his friends on the day of the battle. Looking up, he beheld a large canicure or war eagle sitting in the tree above his head. He immediately recognized the bird to be the same as he had once dreamt in his youth, the one he had chosen as his guardian spirit or personal manito. This eagle had carefully watched over his body and prevented other ravenous birds from touching it. The chief got up and stood upon his feet, but he felt himself weak and much exhausted. The blood upon his wound had stanched itself and he now bound it up. He possessed a knowledge of such roots as have healing properties, and these he carefully sought in the woods. Having found some, he pounded some of them between stones and applied them externally. Others he chewed and swallowed. In a short time, he found himself so much recovered as to be able to commence his journey. But he suffered greatly from hunger, not seeing any large animals that he might kill. However, he succeeded in killing some small birds with his bow and arrow, and these he roasted before a fire at night. In this way, he sustained himself until he came to a river that separated his wife and friends from him. He stood upon the bank and gave that peculiar whoop which is a signal of the return of a friend. The sound was immediately heard and a canoe was dispatched to bring him over, and in a short time, Amidst the shouts of his friends and relations, who thronged from every side to see the arrival, the warrior's chief had landed. When the first wild bursts of wonder and joy had subsided, and some degree of quiet had been restored to the village, he related to his people the account of his adventures. He concluded his narrative by telling them that it is pleasing to the spirit of a deceased person to have a fire built upon the grave for four nights after his burial, that is, four days' journey to the land appointed for the residence of the spirits, that in its journey there the spirit stands in need of a fire every night at the place of his encampment, and that if the friends kindle this fire upon the spot where the body is laid, the spirit has the benefit of its light and warmth on its path, while if the friends neglect to do this, the spirit is subjected the irksome task of making its own fire each night. 
Thank you for listening to today's story. As usual, I'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback. You can contact me on Twitter. My handle is blabberingshin. And you can also email me. My ID is iamshinjan at gmail.com. All these details are present in the show description. Don't forget to share and subscribe. And as I said before, if you really like the podcast, you can show your support by buying me a coffee. My ID is Shinjan B. So thank you once again. Till next time. Goodbye.